Good evening, I'm Walter Spires, and welcome to Tuesday Night Live. Tonight we're going to finish the message I started on Sunday, Understanding Biblical Healing. When it comes, when it does not come, and why. Everyone watching, listening, reading, however you receive this, whenever you receive this, has had prayers for healing that you have prayed, pleaded, maybe wept, fasted, all those things that many of us are doing, have been doing um, throughout our Christian lives and recently in a concerted effort because of so many things I mentioned to you last week that have just come into my life and piled on my prayer list for many really serious things, life-threatening things, and I mean immediately life-threatening things. And so the Holy Spirit led me down this path to teach this message on understanding biblical, biblical healing, because I, like I said, I'm, I'm quite sure everyone has had that happen when you've prayed for that, and you've had healing prayers that were answered, and you praise God for that. And you've had healing prayers that were not answered, and you didn't understand that, and I don't understand that. I'm the same place you are there. What I have to do is turn to the scripture and see what God has to say about that, and so that's where we began last time, and I'm not going to review that. I finished editing that message yesterday. I meant to upload it uh, to Facebook before we started today, but I'll do that after we finish up. It's the cleaner edited link that's on YouTube. But today, before we start, getting into a really challenging subject about healing and what we do as Christians, what we can do as Christians to understand biblical healing let me pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Your word is truth, and your word is truth when it relates to healing. And you say much about healing. And yet we're not given all the answers, but we're, giving a, we're given a lot of them. And we're given answers even from the very mouth of Jesus Christ and, and the way he looked at this as well. And so comfort us and encourage us. And, and hold us close in those times when we seek healing of dear friends, loved ones, family. When those prayers are answered in ways we do not understand, in ways we don't think were answers at all. And so open our eyes and ears and especially our hearts to receive what you have for us tonight through your word. For Christ's sake, I pray. Amen. What I will say about last time is that we, what I mentioned to you when we looked at some of the scripture, that in terms of the healing ministry of Jesus, remember I said Jesus had three ministries. He said that we, we read where he came uh, preaching, proclaiming, teaching, and healing every kind of disease. Those were his ministries. And we looked at places that he could not heal. The only one, the only example we could see on that was back in Nazareth, his hometown, where we read that they had no faith and they mocked him and just didn't understand what all the things that they had heard. And so, in fact, Jesus did no miracles to speak of in um, at least the kind he had been doing in other places that they'd heard of. Why? Because he said they had no faith and he marveled at their little faith. And it says he did do a few healings, laying hands on and healing before he left. But none of the other miracles that he had been doing before because of their lack of faith. I also told you, we, we learned that Jesus didn't always heal everyone around. He didn't remove 
sickness or disease or death from the world. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. And we talked about that's not why he came. But we'll look at that soon tonight. That is not why he came. He came, as I showed you in, in Matthew, well, in going back to Matthew 1, when the angel talked to Joseph and said, name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. That's why he came, to save his people from their sins. In Matthew 4, we read that Jesus went out proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. That was the message of John the Baptist, the message of Jesus. And over in Luke 5, he said, I didn't come to heal those who don't need a physician. I came to save and heal those who are lost. That's what I came to do. So that's why he came. Healing was part of his ministry, but the purpose and mission of him coming was that he would bring people to the knowledge, the need for repentance of Jesus Christ. That's why he came. So we need to understand that as we go through and talk about healing. One of the other things I mentioned was that he didn't heal everyone that was there. And the example there was that paralytic, the man had been paralyzed for 38 years, laying by the pool of the Bethesda. He picked out that man who didn't even ask for healing. And when Jesus said, you want to be healed, remember I told you, he, he didn't even answer correctly. He didn't say, sure, I want to be healed. Wasn't his response, but Jesus healed him anyway. And all the rest of the ones that had been laying around maybe for years as well couldn't get in the pool because someone beat them in. And so when the angel stirred the waters, they didn't get their healing. Jesus didn't heal them either. He did heal all of those who came to him in faith, believing that, that he could heal them. And he did. We're not told about him turning anyone away there. And yet that begs some other questions we're going to have as we go through this in terms of faith and healing. We talked about faith healers and the, the false teaching that's there, the things that have caused more damage than good, and that there are faith healers. There are people who have the gift of healing. I still believe that. I told you some teach that all those gifts have ceased. I don't believe that. But nonetheless, it's a interesting, challenging, controversial thing just because humans get in there and mess it all up. The Holy Spirit wants to heal, heal, heal. And if he wants to heal through me or someone else, give us that gift of healing, he will do so. And in the meantime, if he wants to heal through prayer, he'll do that too. What about when it doesn't come? And how do I pray and pray for healing as a Christian? We're supposed to believe all this stuff, right? We're supposed to understand that God absolutely does heal. And yet we're as confused and puzzled sometimes when he doesn't as anyone else. And sometimes it shakes our faith and sometimes it does so to the point that people walk away. That people walk away. They just walk away from God. If God wouldn't step in and do that, wouldn't bring healing to my wife, my husband, my baby, my child, whoever, then he's not a good God. How can any God like that expect for me to worship him, serve him? And they just leave. They leave the faith. And some would argue that they never really understood, as I'm going to teach you tonight, what it means to be born again in Christ, because when we are truly, we're going to find that those are the times that we lean in more closely, that we hold on to him more tightly. And so let me spend a few minutes here going through these four things. Okay. In Luke 18, Luke 18 begins these parables. And in the very first one on prayer, Jesus knew how difficult life was. It was then. Listen, they were under Roman occupation. They were 
uh, subservient people to the Romans. So they were not a free people at all. Don't, don't misunderstand that they were not. Jesus included among them because the Jews were, had been a captive nation or at least subservient to, servile to whatever uh, nation was in power at the time. And they went from the Assyrians to the Babylonians to the Medo-Persians. Then you had the Greeks, and then they split into four, and then the Romans came along, and uh, the Syrians had some dominion over them. Just stuff like that went on for hundreds and hundreds of years. So Jesus is teaching his disciples for the most part, right, because he came to the Jews. He came to the Jews, and so he picked these 12 disciples, and he went around. And that means a student or someone who's at the feet of a teacher learning. Those were the 12 disciples. And then there were more that joined him. We talked, he talked about sending out 70 or the 72. And then there were many other people who just followed around because they were interested in this guy doing miracles. All right, in Luke 18, 1, we read this. This is when Jesus begins a parable called the parable of the unrighteous judge, if you look at your Bible heading. So now Jesus was telling them a parable to show them what? That at all times they ought to pray and not become discouraged. Not become discouraged. And in that parable, I'll give you the summary of it. This woman wanted justice. Well, necessarily healing, could have been for healing, but wanted justice. And she kept beating on the door of the judge and saying, open up, let me in. I need, I demand my justice. Someone's done something to me. And and so finally, the judge says, if I don't get up, and it said, by the way, it says the judge was a godless man, didn't, didn't believe God, didn't worship God, didn't honor God at all. But he finally said, I give. This woman's wearing me out. And so he got up and gave her what she wanted. And so Jesus closed that little parable with these words in verses 6 and 7. Listen to what the unrighteous judge said. That's what I just told you. Now, will God, our Heavenly Father, not bring about justice for his elect, those of us who are born again in Christ, who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay long for them? It's one of those verses that can confuse us. Because it says right here that God is not the unjust judge. In fact, he's a righteous, loving, heavenly father. And so the, the, the picture that Jesus is painting, look, if even that unrighteous, godless judge would get up and answer this woman's concerns because he's, she's wearing him out, then how much more would our loving, caring heavenly father come and meet our needs? And that's what Jesus said. He would bring about justice, in this case, not healing, but justice, for the elect who cry out day and night, who plead with him. And, and we have been like many of you pleading and pleading for God to bring healing to these children and bring healing to these cancers and healing to these other diseases and all these things we are pleading over, some that are right at death's door. We're pleading and praying that. And he said, will he delay long for them? Well, that raises more questions in some of our minds and it gives answers. But he said, pray and don't grow weary. Pray and don't grow weary and get discouraged. Pray and don't lose heart. And he tells that story, and yet when we finish reading it, when I get to the end, I think, well, fine. Then why aren't our prayers being answered? Why? I mean, I don't understand. Jesus just said this. I'm telling you this story so that you won't get weary and quit or walk away from God or lose your faith. And yet at the end of it, it sounds great, but where's our answer? Where's our justice of knocking on the door? And again, it's not an exact analogy because she was demanding justice from someone who had treated her unfairly. We can look at disease 
and say, well, that that's unfair. And I spent a lot of time last time. I won't go back there. But I remember we talked about God never intended for healing to be part of the plan. There was no plan for healing. There wasn't anything to heal. Everything was created perfect. The world was created perfect. Everything was in Adam and Eve as well. And there was no need for healing. There wasn't going to be any need for healing. But post-Genesis 3 and then Genesis 6, when God destroyed the world through the flood and saved uh, Noah and his family, and then even after they came back before, um, and re began repopulating after that, they again became, you know, evil and wicked. And you have the Tower of Babel. And then God just got mad at him. He said he wouldn't destroy him again with, with a flood, but he scattered them all out um, because the people had just been so become so um, focused on themselves and kind of their own gods with a little G. Mankind has been doing these things and disobeying God almost from the beginning. Well, actually, from the beginning, just after creation, whenever that temptation happened. And with that fall, with that sin, the world was broken. Humans were broken. Our DNA became broken. Our immune systems that we didn't have to have, you know, became, maybe they began to develop in. I don't know. How all that came about, how all that happened, but what I do know is what we see is the end result, that sickness and disease came into the world, and, and mankind was broken, and so there was a need for healing. And I shared with you the passage in Genesis, uh, first time healing was used with Abraham and Abimelech, King Abimelech, that story, and then over in uh, Exodus, when uh, Moses was, you know, trying to get Pharaoh to release the people, and God put all those diseases on the uh, Egyptians, and then there was that promise that if they were obedient, he wouldn't put those diseases on them. But because they were already dying because of their sin, remember we talked about Jesus and the, the serpent on the pole and the cross, the pole being lifted up representing the cross, and, and God affected their healing, and that's when he gave us his name, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rapha. God, our healer. That's what he named. He said, I am God, your healer. So God became the healer for these diseases. Weren't supposed to be any. So Jesus tells us now, pray and don't grow weary and get discouraged because God knows what we're praying. And yet what he ends with is, is not satisfying to me in what I'm praying and pleading and to you. So but keep on going. And so the next one is that we pray in faith believing. We pray in faith believing. The best, there's a number of passages on this, and I mentioned to you already that Jesus could not do the miracles he had been doing or the kind he'd been doing in his own hometown because they lacked the faith. But I also share with the examples of where it didn't require faith because the people didn't even ask to be healed. Where faith is required, James talked about this, and I'm going to read you a couple of verses from James 1 and then some, uh, another verse or two in James chapter 5. Okay, it's, This is about praying in faith, believing. James wrote these words, but he must ask, meaning you and I, people who are going to pray and call on God, must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed back and forth. And that person ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from God. Being a double-minded man or woman, unstable in all his ways. And then for the healing, 
He said, rather, he should call the elders of the church, part of a body of Christ that has elders or whatever leadership, call them to pray over the sick person, anoint that person with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. I started to leave that last phrase out because it, that, that's almost a whole message on, it, on its own. There were sins that led to disease, even death. And some of that exists today, just consequences of stupid things or sin. And we see in the Old Testament, the Jews absolutely believed that. You remember when the disciples asked Jesus about the blind man, and they said, well, Lord, who sinned so that this man was blind? Was it his parents? Was it, his, was it him? See, they, there was a connection there. But it's not always a connection there. Sin and disease are not necessarily connected to a sin. Sometimes they're just a product of the fall. So it's important to remember that as we read this and keep it in context. But what James is saying, you got to pray in faith believing. you got to pray in faith believing. As Christians, we, we are saved by grace through faith, our faith to believe that God is who he says he is. Christ uh, died for our sins, was risen from the dead. And that's how we're saved. We are saved. And it's by faith, by faith. Remember, I shared a bunch of examples with you last time that in most of Jesus' healing miracles, he said to the person, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. He said to the person with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. They had to do that. Rise up and walk. They had to do that. The paralytic with the bed by the pool of Bethesda had to get up, take up his pallet, had to receive that healing through faith. He did. And again, that's where the whole faith healing thing came from. Situations like that, examples like that, verses like that. But it's not all like that. And it's not always like that. And, and just because someone doesn't receive their healing doesn't mean that they didn't have faith and they don't believe that God can heal and still heals. And that's really important to understand. And it takes us to the third point. Third point. This is really, really important. And one of the things that is extremely important for Christians, because you get all kinds of pushback on things that we believe God for, and then how we deal with things when our prayers aren't answered or things go the wrong way. And in any area, number of areas of life, those who are watching, those who are Christian, excuse me, those who are non-Christians that are watching, well, see, there you go. <laughs> Where's your God now? Where's God now? Where is he? See, he's not, he's not doing what you're asking him to do. He's not listening to you. You're praying to the walls. You're praying to the sky. It's easy to get caught up in that because sometimes we feel like that. When we're sitting there with our arms empty and our hands empty or your pockets empty and, and you've been believing and praying in faith the best you can, it's hard. And it looks like sometimes as Christians, our answers are simply letting God off the hook. Well, that's really important to, to know because I'm going to help you now understand why that's not what we're doing when it looks like it. Because a lot of people like to look at that. Well, you, you just, you know, you got your guy in the box and or you're just letting him off the hook because he can't really do these things. He's not really doing any of this stuff. So why do you worship a God like that? I'm going to share some things with you here to help that will help you understand when we're praying 
why some get answered and some don't. Some get answered in ways that we weren't expected, expecting. Let me give you two examples. Let me go look them up because I didn't mark them. This word came to me. I added this on a little bit after the fact. So in Matthew 6, I'm going to give you two examples. And again, these are the words of Jesus. This is straight out of the mouth of Jesus. And to me, it's so important when, when we've got a direct quote from Jesus, a direct example from Jesus in his life, in his earthly ministry, and that's where you go first. That's where I go first. In my teaching, in my study, in applications to my own life. All right, in Matthew 6, verse 10. In Matthew 6, by the way, 9 through 13, that's a set of verses in the um, Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, and when you pray, and that's been called for, I don't know who started and when they started, to call the Lord's Prayer. I've explained to many listening here before that as I was taught many years ago, that really isn't the Lord's Prayer. Again, that's something man made up. Jesus never called it the Lord's Prayer. In fact, it's not his prayer at all. What he said, when you pray, meaning the disciples and all those listening in that crowd, when you pray, you pray this way. It's not how he prayed. Why? Because he didn't have to ask for forgiveness of sins. So it makes sense that this is what most people entitle the model prayer. When you pray, here's a model. Here's an example for you to follow. And at those high points in there, the petitions and things he asked for. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you know that our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay. These are the keys. This is Jesus telling us how to pray. It's the first time this phrase is used. Your will be done. Okay. Mark that Matthew 6, verse 10. Your will be done. We're going to turn over now in Matthew 26. And Jesus is praying. In the garden, Matthew 26, verse 39, it's in the garden of Gethsemane, this final thing's going away. This is, the disciples are with him. He's just about to be betrayed and head to the cross and all the stuff that preceded that. Oops, took my glasses off. And so in Matthew 26, he's in the place Gethsemane, Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit over here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John with him. And said he began to be grieved and distressed because he knew what was coming. He began to be grieved and distressed. This is the Lord Jesus Christ being grieved and distressed, knowing what was coming, the suffering and the crucifixion that was coming. And so he said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them, a little ahead of them, and he fell on his face and prayed this. My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but your will be done. He taught us to pray that way in Matthew 6. Following his own words, Jesus prayed to God the Father to let that cup of crucifixion pass from him. Nobody wants to sign up for that. Jesus said, if it's possible... That's one trans, some translations say. Let this pass from me. Nevertheless, what? Not my will, but yours be done. 
Now, many will say we let God off the hook all the time as Christians because we say, oh, well, he didn't answer this because of that. And we make up excuses and stuff. No, we don't. No, we don't. This is one of the most important things in the maturing life of a believer is to understand that God's will, God's will supersedes anything that we want. And so we'll pray according to God's will. Well, I, I don't how do I do that? You pray and let the Holy Spirit lead you through that. And I don't know. I can't answer that. Because I don't, in, in Isaiah 55, got a couple more verses for you, and we're going to wrap up early tonight here. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God said this to Isaiah. He's helping to explain these things, even in the Old Testament, to his amazing, wonderful prophet, Isaiah. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We don't think like this. I'm excuse me. We don't think like God. We don't know God's ways beyond what we've read in Scripture. We don't. Who could, Jesus, God said a couple times in the Old Testament, especially, who, who knows the mind of God? In the book of Job, they went through that. Who knows the mind of God? Can you counsel me? He started asking questions and challenging some of those guys. Hey, well, can you counsel me? Are you, are you smart enough to know why I'm doing what I'm doing to Job and all these things that are going on? And um, who would give me counsel? Were you there when I created all of this? When I spoke it into existence, which was the Lord Jesus? No. And so how dare you question me? You can. We can. That's the good news. We're allowed to. We're allowed to cry out to the Father. We're allowed to question the Father. All those things that we do, we, we wrestle and we weep and moan and groan and all these things before the Lord. But at the end of the day, as people say, and ultimately, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus deferred to the will of God to go to a cross and avoid the healing that would never come, that healing would never come from that evening and actually in the early hours of the morning when he began to be beaten and just mercilessly all the way, and that wasn't bad enough, all the way up through the cross and just the death there, humiliating public death on a cross. And God didn't stop it because it was his will and he was glorified in that suffering because he knew it was the only way that you and I had a chance. It's the only way we had a chance. Only way we had a chance. John, the wonderful, beautiful apostle that Jesus loved, wrote in his first epistle, 1 John 5, these words. This is the confidence that we have before Jesus. That we, excuse me, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Except when they don't come. Except we don't have them. But John says that if we're praying according to the will of God, that we will have those, that they will come. He will answer those. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. There are things that I prayed for, and, you know, we, as Christians, 
And the older we get in the Lord, we want to live the will of God. We want to pray the will of God. And sometimes we still scratch our heads and say, Lord, I'm not sure. So what I need to do is to put in there, your will be done. In that model prayer and praying like Jesus did. Lord, if, if these dear children, if these brothers and sisters with cancer, if these people can be healed, then heal them and bring that healing. Bring that healing. I'm never going to stop praying until someone draws their last breath. And their spirit is yielded up to the Lord, which is a glorious thing. It's what we want. It's what we all want. It's a glorious thing. I'm going to keep praying and pleading and believing and believe I'm praying according to the will of God. That there would be healing, the kind of healing that we seek, physical healing. Here's the challenge. And it is a challenge. Because some of you right now are right there with someone, or maybe you're the one that's at death's door, that this world for you, this side of heaven, is closing in because of the affliction, the infirmity, the disease, the whatever it is physically that would take your life. And apart from the miraculous healing hand of God, no matter how it comes, whether it comes to someone who has a gift of healing or elders or people in your church that lay hands on you and anoint you with oil and pray over you, however that comes, we have to defer to the will of God. He's God and we're not. It's that sovereignty question, that sovereignty issue. We have to let God be God because I'm not. Many years ago in our own family, after a terrible time when Gigi and I were in our first year or so of marriage, and she'd had three miscarriages, three early term miscarriages, then our got pregnant again, and the fourth one was keeper, full term. It took a lot of work and time and effort and energy for her to get there. She sacrificed greatly. But this little girl grew all the way up through until the nine months of her due date. And I was out playing golf, waiting for that call to go to the hospital when she's in labor. And we were very excited. But the call that came was a call that said, she's in the hospital and you need to go now. So I'm thinking, this must be the time. But when I got there, she was weeping and crying, and they had told her, put the monitor on, that our little girl, who nine months to the day we thought she'd be born, was stillborn. She's, she died in utero on the way down with a cord wrapped around her neck multiple times. It's still hard to talk about. It still makes me weep. We, we had plans. We'd been waiting a long time. And my wife had gone through so much. But 
But somehow, through the prayers of people, believers around us, the comfort and compassion of God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our healer and our Savior, drew us closer to him in a time that many would walk away because the healing didn't come. The life wasn't restored. In fact, just the opposite happened. And that's happened to you or someone you know. And it's really easy to let Satan come in and start to wedge to wedge between you and the Lord and that relationship. <laughs> Where's God? Where was God when that happened? And he'll do that because he is the enemy and he is a liar. And that's why Jesus called him the ruler of this world and the father of lies and the prince of darkness, all these things, because any excuse he can use, especially when it comes to healing or no healing and death as the end result, that is where he likes to go in and demons like to come in and just try to drive us away because emotionally we're distraught and we're taken back and we're weak in our, just, we're just weakened, if you will, across the board. And yet God, the Holy Spirit is faithful to come in and strengthen us and give us the courage and the strength we need to just hold on. Sometimes you just have to hold on. Sometimes there's nothing else you can do. Jesus prayed and pleaded and prayed and pled in the garden for all that to go away. But it didn't. And it suited the Father to take his life and sacrifice him, not us. And so that's where this lesson lands and where it ends. Because at the end of our lives, no matter what we've got, if we go home with horrible, awful cancer, diseases, broken bodies, horrible auto accidents, whatever things happen, no matter how you go, if you're born again in Christ, as soon as you're gone and you draw that last breath, you wake up in the presence of Jesus, your spirit is there, and you will have a whole brand new body, fully healed, fully healed, at that point in time when the resurrection, the rapture occurs, and we're, we're, we're put back together again, fully healed and healthy in the brand new body that Jesus is making for us, you see. That's how it works. But we get so focused on the here and now as opposed to looking for that glorious hope of eternity. Our hope is eternal hope. And if you are listening, watching, and you have all kinds of issues with God because you prayed for healing and he never brought it, someone you love died, someone you love got killed in some horrible, awful way, and you just blame God. I want to invite you, instead of blaming God, to just come in and let God love on you, to let God help you understand, as I'm trying to teach you, that Jesus Christ endured the most brutal, horrible, awful death for you, for your life, that you might be spiritually healed, spiritually healed. The physical healing may not come, but of all of us who are born again in Christ, we are spiritually healed. We are made whole in him. 
hold hallelujah and when we die we don't die we go to sleep in the lord we wake up in the presence of god and i want that for you but you have to understand that you need christ and you have to understand that to get there you got to repent of your sins we're all sinners we're all sinners the difference with us is we're saved by grace through faith we just gave it up and said lord i can't i can't do this without somebody something i need something let it be Jesus Christ. Let it be the one who died for you, who gave up his life for yours, battered, beaten, bloody, disfigured, all that stuff, so that you and I could be made whole in him, spiritually whole forever. It's eternal. And I pray that you would receive that today. Oh, Father God, this is hard stuff. We don't, when the healing doesn't come and we pray and plead over people and maybe it's even our own health, it's difficult. It is difficult to to stay with this. So we just have to lean into the words of Jesus, the words that John echoed, the words of Jesus, the words of the Lord God through Isaiah. What some of the things we still understand, we never will. But we're going to fall on your loving, tender, outstretched arms to know that we we have the eternal hope of complete and utter spiritual healing that is forever. And for that, I say hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let someone be saved tonight for Christ's sake. Amen. God bless you and have a great rest of your week. To learn more about how you can become a Christian or grow in your walk with the Lord and receive freely of all the biblically-based content we have created or donate to help keep this ministry going strong, go to onlyjesus.life. That's onlyjesus.life.